Oh, so have I had my mic off this whole time? So tell me, uh, how much did we miss? Did we miss the whole thing from the beginning? Yes. Well, I'm going to start over. Yeah. So that counts as a rookie error. I wonder how many points off I get for that. So this is uh, Monday, October 19th, 2009. We want to welcome you to the Future of Education. It's a special show today. Uh, we're delighted to have you here. Sure, sure fun. I'm glad you enjoyed my making a mistake. Um, the Future of Education is sponsored by Learn Central. Uh, it's a social network for educators. That's sort of my project of personal passion. It's a social network with Illuminate built in. You can use these tools for free. I hope you'll come and look at it and join learncentral.org. We do have some fun um, sessions coming up, interviews coming up in the next uh, month or so. I won't read through the list here, but you can see tomorrow we talk with the people, the folks at SRI on educational social networking. On October 21st with uh, Esther uh, Wazisky from Palo Alto High School, who is a journalism and English teacher and is also the current chair of the Creative Commons Board. Uh, Tim Westergren from Pandora in early November, and Henry Jenkins, and much more. We'll leave that slide up at the end, and you can look at it and see. Um, you are in Illuminate. If this is your first time in Illuminate, we want to make sure that you understand how you can participate. You have a participant window up at the top. Uh, you can see who's in the session. Right below the participant window are some emoticons that allow you to indicate um, your response to things. This is a highly interactive environment. You can see a clapping hand, a smiley face, a confused look, or a thumbs down. To the left of those smaller emoticons is a green hand with an up arrow, I mean a hand with a green up arrow. If you would like to raise your hand to take the mic later on in the show, you're welcome to do so, and that's how you indicate that you want to take the mic. If you think you might want to ask a question through the microphone instead of in the chat, please do go up to Tools Audio and run the Audio Setup Wizard, and that will test to make sure that your mic is configured. Below that area, of course, is the chat, and you're certainly welcome to leave questions there, and Angela and I will track those so that uh, we make sure that they get answered if they come up. Um, you can send messages to the whole group, or there's a drop-down box to send individual messages to other members of the, the participant list. But do be aware that um, any of those messages, while they may seem private, are actually seen by all of the moderators. And then below that section is the audio area. And if you do take the microphone later, we'll ask you to click on that larger mic button, and that will turn your microphone on. Now, to the right is the whiteboard where the slides will appear. And I'm going to give everyone permission to modify the whiteboard. And this is a map of the world. And if you click to the left of that map, you'll see a little wand with a red star at the end. And if you click on that, you can let us know where you're listening from. It's also fun to shout that out in the chat. So you may want to tell us uh, where you're listening from, and what the time and the temperature are, where people are listening from. So in Australia, listener, someone from New Zealand, mostly US, which is not a great surprise. Well, we're sure glad you're here, wherever you are listening from and whatever the weather is like. I'm now going to turn the time over to Angela, who will give a brief introduction. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Steve, so much. Uh, speaking of personal passion, I am beyond delighted um, to take an opportunity to have um, this important discussion on adolescent literacy. And I want to thank the panel and all of you for being here and to be a part of this discussion. Today we're going to be discussing a report released um, last month by the Carnegie Corporation of New York entitled A Time to Act, 
an agenda for advancing adolescent literacy for college and career readiness. Time to Act demonstrates um, that adolescent literacy is tremendously important to our students' abilities to succeed in college and the workforce. Research has shown that literacy gains in early years dissipate as students enter middle school and U.S. students grade four score among the best in the world, yet by 10th grade, students score among the lowest in the world. How well students read entering high school also significantly impacts their ability to graduate and their level of preparedness for college and careers. Time to Act shows that advancing literacy should be the focus of a whole school and cut across all content areas, social studies, math, science. All teachers need literacy instruction skills in addition to a deep knowledge in their core content area. We are very excited to have our panelists today, Dr. Katherine Snow, Dr. Don Deschler, and Dr. Mel Riddle to give us more details of their work on the panel. As they explained, um, Time to Act's capstone report um, and the way they've gathered their knowledge and ideas from other experts nationwide on these topics ranging from linguistics to social science of teaching. Dr. Snow is the chairperson and Patricia Alberts Graham is the pro professor at Harvard University. She is an expert at language and literacy development in childhood and adolescence with a special focus of students in urban settings. Oh, I'm so sorry. I want to make sure that my slide advanced, I apologize for that. See, Steve, I'm not the only one that is uh, having technical difficulties. Um, Dr. Deschler is a member of the Council and the Williamson Foundation, the Williamson Family Distinguished Professor of Special Education and the Director of the Central Center for Research on Learning at the University of Kansas. He focuses on adolescent literacy, instructional interventions for at-risk learners, and learning strategies. Our final panelist is Dr. Riddle, an Associate Director for High School Services for the National Association of Secondary School Principals. He has worked as a high school principal and is a known leader in the field of adolescent literacy. Each panelist will take some time this afternoon to offer some remarks on Time to Act, after which you'll be able to ask questions of the panelists of the report and contribute to the conversation in the future of adolescent literacy instruction. Welcome, Catherine. Um, you have the floor. Thank you very much. Um, it's a great pleasure to be here. And uh, at the same time, I must admit, a little strange to be uh, talking to people um, that I can't actually see. Um, but it's, it's good to be talking about this report. I think it's a report that uh, synthesizes important information about uh, a crucial topic, namely uh, the crisis of adolescent literacy in the US and in other English, many other English-speaking countries around the world. Uh, this slide is meant to reflect the fact that while the Time to Act report is, was released recently, at the same time five additional reports were released that address different aspects of the adolescent literacy challenge. And uh, indeed, there are many, many other reports that have been produced by the Adolescent Literacy Council um, that I'll talk about a bit more later. Um, why did we do this? Well, uh, the report is important because it, 
it responds to the fact that 70% of 8th graders in the United States uh, are not reading at a level that enables them, for example, to give details and examples to support themes in a literary passage or to um, explain the use of um, uh, the, the purpose of a practice-focused passage. Uh, 12th graders in very large numbers are unable to analyze irony or symbolism or to, uh, to extract information about a procedure. And um, these NAEP uh, delivered data suggest that we are not doing a good enough job of preparing students in American schools to do the tasks that are crucial uh, if they're going to function well in college, if they're going to function in the workplace. Um, there are lots and lots of specific indicators of the, of the size of the challenge around adolescent literacy. Uh, 8 million students in grades 4 to 12 read below grade level according to N the NCES analysis. Um, that those numbers are much greater among low-income students. Um, in many urban schools, a minority of students are reading at appro the appropriate grade level. And if these students are unable to read at the appropriate grade level, then of course they're going to have great difficulty learning the math, the history, the social studies, the science. Uh, the other topics that we expect students to be coming uh, skilled to be becoming skilled in uh, as they go through middle school and high school, uh, there are massive complaints from those who receive uh, graduates of American high schools at community colleges and four-year universities that they are unable to do the work that is expected of them um, at those levels. Um, so. Those are the demographic and the educational reasons for this report. Let me tell you a little bit about how the report happened. In 2002, the Carnegie Corporation of New York commissioned um, RAND to convene a task force uh, to summarize what was then known about adolescent literacy and to identify uh, gaps in the knowledge base. Um, this was an attempt to replicate to some extent the procedures that had already uh, generated two reports, Preventing Reading Difficulties in Young Children and the National Reading Panel Report, uh, that summarized uh, what was known about the state of the nation, the state of the nation's children, um, up to grade three, and uh, to, raise, to raise awareness of the fact that ensuring that all all American children read at third grade level by the end of third grade hardly solves the literacy problem in the country. Um, the RAND uh, task, group, task force delivered a briefing book to the, um, which then became, uh, was, was sufficiently uh, thick and sufficiently full of facts and full of uh, questions that uh, Carnegie decided to uh, establish a council on advancing adolescent literacy and delivered the briefing book to the council with the, uh, with the task of moving forward on uh, thinking about and maybe addressing this problem. So the council, which Bell Riddle and, and Don Deschler and a number of other people were all members of, um, worked over the course of three years um, to uh, identify gaps in our knowledge, to commission white papers to try to fill those gaps, to think about the practical needs of schools, of uh, state uh, departments of education, of the federal uh, 
level of uh, involvement in education to think about practical steps that could be taken to improve the adolescent literacy uh, outcomes in this country. One practical step was promoting the national conversation, and uh, Carnegie Corporation has been very involved in doing that. Uh, we did not have the resources to do all the work that needed to be done, but we did um, try to recycle excellent work done elsewhere by repackaging it in accessible um, reports and developed policy recommendations. Um, the Carnegie Corporation approach to thinking about adolescent literacy starts with exploiting the term adolescent shamelessly. Adolescent isn't actually uh, quite the right term, quite the most precise term, because we're really thinking about literacy from fourth grade through um, early college, uh, both pre-adolescent and post-adolescence. But um, something about the term adolescence attracts people's attention in ways that uh, forced to fourth to fourteenth grade doesn't. So uh, we we felt happy to uh, exploit the, the fact that adolescent the term adolescent raises uh, ra attracts attention. Um, our approach was also the Carnegie Corporation approach and as well as the approach of the council was to start many parallel lines of work, recognizing that this is a very, very complex issue and there's not going to be a single solution. Um, but to try to create synergies among researchers, among uh, advoc advocacy specialists to review research, to um, sponsor research, um, to try to attack this problem from many, many different um, angles. And finally, to get the message out that adolescent literacy is absolutely crucial to high school completion, to higher education, to employability, to, to participating in citizenship activities, to the quality of life, quite frankly. Um, the, the council, as I said, generated lots and lots of white papers and uh, products, and this is a, a brief selection of them. All of these are available on the Carnegie Corporation website, uh, www.carnegie.org slash literacy TTA. Um, but just to get back to the report for a moment, um, let, the main sections of the report focus on a vision, uh, literacy for all, what, what's wrong with the current picture on literacy for adolescents, um, a definition of the challenge, some of the many steps it would take to get adolescents college and career ready, the keys underpinning of successful reform, and Don Deschler and Mel Riddle will talk about um, the aspects of that uh, from the school level. Um, the agenda, re-engineering for change, what can states do, what can the federal government do, and then finally uh, a call to action. Some of the major uh, points of the report are specifying what kinds of, of tools teachers need, what kinds of steps schools and districts can take in using information about student literacy performance, and what kinds of steps state level leaders can use to maximize the resources that they have available to focus attention on uh, literacy efforts. Um, a very important point in this report is that we are not arguing that we should de defocus attention on K through 3 or pre-K through 3. Um, what children learn in, in preschool and in kindergarten and in the primary grades about literacy is very, very important. And it's the basis for further growth and further excellent instruction. 
the point is that it is not enough. We are not, we cannot inoculate children against literacy failure by doing a great job in the primary grades and then forgetting about literacy in the middle grades. Uh, fourth graders, sixth graders, ninth graders need um, explicit instruction in how to read what they need to read, in how to discuss, in how to talk about the content areas that they're, um, that they're learning about. And um, of course, the, the children who fall behind need targeted interventions. So that long list of grant of uh, commissioned reports and, and uh, grant supported work along the way, let me just talk about a couple of them for one uh, for a couple of minutes before I pass the microphone on. Writing next, um, Dolores Perrin and Steve Graham wrote a wonderful uh, review of the literature on writing and uh, summarized the techniques that have been found to be effective in improving students' writing. What can you do in the classroom to improve students' writing? Focusing here on uh, writing for learning, not creative writing, not writing so much in English language arts, but writing in history, writing in math, and writing in social studies. Um, Don Deschler, together with Anne-Marie Palancar, Gina Bianca Rosa, and Marnie Nair, uh, produced this wonderfully informative compilation of uh, information about programs for struggling adolescent readers with um, lots of information about each of those programs. Who's it meant for? Uh, what age? What students with what kinds of problems? Students from what demographic categories? As well as um, a summary of information about the, the knowledge base, the research base supporting uh, all of those programs. Or in many cases, the absence of that research base. Um, Double the work is a a summary of information uh, compiled by the, the, the uh, National Literacy Panel focusing on language minority learners, but this extracts what we know about adolescent English language learners, um, the, the kids who have the, a double, the double challenge of learning English while learning to read uh, as adolescents in American schools because they come from other language backgrounds. Two, um, two items that are relevant to the uh, domain of differentiating literacy instruction uh, across the content areas and actually teaching kids to read what they need to know uh, so, so that they can learn what they need to know in the content areas and they can learn how to read differentially in math, in history, and it, in, in language arts, and in um, science. Um, one is, a, is this uh, report called Literacy Instruction in the Content Area written by um, Carol Lee, and a wonderful article in the Harvard Ed Review special issue on adolescent literacy by uh, Tim Shanahan and Cynthia, Cynthia Shanahan. Uh, Measures for Change uh, reviews the demographics, uh, the demographic challenge of adolescent struggling readers. Um, and there are other reports as well on the website. I urge you to go and look at them and uh, download them uh, if, if they interest you. Um, Basically, what we argue in Time to Act is that we have learned from uh, a long history of focus on early literacy instruction uh, how to make system-wide change. You establish a research-based consensus about the practices that work. You implement systematic professional development focused on that, those practices. You use data about student performance to distribute resources. Um, you in, insist on coherence, on shared uh, priorities uh, focused on the problem you're interested in, and um, that works. That has worked to improve 
uh, early reading outcomes. A similar approach would work to improve adolescent literacy outcomes, but the prioritization, the focus, the coherence is what we need. Um, so we do know what to do. We have some excellent models for what to do. We do know that what we're doing now isn't enough. Um, we argue in the report that now is indeed the time to act. I'm going to turn it over to Don Deschler. Thank you, Catherine. Um, and I'd like to just build on a, a point that uh, Catherine made um, a couple of points, uh, a couple of times throughout her remarks, and that is um, it became very clear to us that there is no single easy solution to uh, solving the adolescent literacy problem, but rather um, there's a, a broad array of um, things that are needed in order to um, uh, address the problem in a, in a significant coordinated way. Um, and let's see, the slides are going crazy here. There we go. So the, um, the subtitle uh, to the report about our focus, the end goal is, is preparing students to be college ready and career ready. Well, in order to do that, uh, the reality is um, the Lone Ranger principle to addressing the problem doesn't work. In other words, laying the problem at the doorstep of the supplemental reading teacher or the literacy coach um, or any other range of solutions that basically says a small group of people or individuals going to take care of the problem. Uh, it just doesn't work that way and regrettably that's been our approach in many instances. But rather we need, if you will, a well-orchestrated army of people within a a school and at the district level and the feeder schools uh, going into either middle school or high school. Um, and to the degree that we can get a coordinated effort among several people, uh, we can find some success. The bottom line uh, to the work in, that, uh, the commission, that the council has done is the fact that we recognize that there are very unique but important roles for every member of the secondary staff relative to literacy instruction. But those roles vary depending on the skill sets of teachers and the various classes uh, and responsibilities for instruction that they have. Um, repeatedly in our conversations, uh, we came back to the point that we do not see every content teacher being a reading teacher. However, every teacher needs to teach students how to read the content in their classes. In other words, the teacher serves as a mediator for the students between the difficult content and the students. What are things teachers can do to mediate the understanding of that content and at the same time model for the students how um, they can go about learning science or history or whatever the subject matter may be. And the reason that we need a broad array of people involved, professionals involved in addressing the, the challenge is because the needs of students are so varied. Uh, the reality is students require varying levels of intensity of instruction across content strategies and skills. And so uh, 
we've talked it, uh, um, within the our deliberations and with throughout the report about the importance of a continuum of literacy instruction. Uh, as depicted in this graphic, while not from the report, I put it together trying to indicate a couple things. Um, with it, that there's things that can be done to emphasize literacy competencies within a host of settings and by a host of, of teachers in different configurations. For example, in content classes, there are things that, that teachers can do to identify critical content that is difficult, and then how can they manipulate, transform, or change that to make it easier and more learner friendly. Likewise, they can embed some key strategies, modeling for students how to learn and navigate discipline-specific content. For students who don't respond to uh, what might be done within the, um, the discipline-specific uh, classes, uh, many schools offer uh, instructional configurations where students can get much more intensive, targeted uh, reading instruction. Uh, these are known by a variety of, of names. I've labeled it supplemental classes here in which they receive intensive strategy instruction and in, intensive basic skill instruction, the purpose of which is to arm them with sufficient skills that students can independently navigate the discipline uh, textbooks. And then in, uh, some students are, are so uh, in need of specific services that we may need to call upon the expertise of speech language uh, therapists or pathologists who really have a solid grounding in language and many of the problems that we see struggling adolescent learners to have are language based. So the other point of this graphic before I move on is the fact that the overlapping depiction here underscores the fact that it's so easy in high schools to, and, and middle and junior high schools, to get siloed services to have what is happening in the gen ed class pretty much divorced from what's happening in the supplemental class and so forth. And if that's the case, students' education ends up being quite fragmented and they really uh, don't benefit as much as they could if we were coordinated. So some uh, core action steps, uh, standing back from this, that um, we see are the following. Um, number one, the establishment of a literacy leadership team or some configuration of a team, maybe tied in with the school leadership team. Again, known from a, by a variety of names, but a team of teachers and administrators who, who assume responsibility for studying the problem with the problem of adolescent literacy within their specific school, uh, profiling the needs of students, identifying professional development that needs to be done, coming up with protocols for peer coaching and so forth. In essence, a team to drive literacy growth and literacy reform on a building to building uh, basis. Another key component is putting in place, if it is not there already, a process for screening all students as they enter a school to determine the, the literacy profile of students within a school. Typically state exams um, don't provide that level of detail to teachers and so we don't have the kind of information that's needed to make 
wise educational decisions on students and to allocate resources. We know in some schools we may have 10% of the students who have decoding problems, whereas in another school we may have 30%. That has implications for professional development and resource allocation and so forth. Thirdly, uh, to build a continuum of literacy supports to match that profile uh, that has emerged through the screening. And I uh, just spoke about the, uh, some of the components that might be in that continuum of literacy supports. And then finally, to really tend to this notion of, of coordinating within and across grade levels. Um, unlike at the elementary level where one teacher often oversees the education, the majority of education for a student, that's not the case at high school and, and uh, middle school. And hence, real attention to coordination is, is required. So uh, in conclusion, the, the defining features um, are efforts to reduce the barriers within content classes. Uh, either through accommodations or teachers very deliberately and explicitly making students aware of how to learn their content. For students that don't benefit from uh, that type of instruction to provide intensive literacy instruction, looking for synergy across programs, and over time building the capacity within the building. So those are just a few thoughts that uh, are highlighted in the report and are based on some of the work that we've been doing throughout the country. And with that, I will uh, turn the mic over to Mel Riddle. Thank you, Don and Catherine. Um, first, I, I want to say on behalf of the principals all over the country, we owe a debt of gratitude to the Carnegie Corporation in New York and to Andreas Enriquez for everything that he's done uh, to promote adolescent literacy. Uh, I see literacy as the gateway skill, and I, per and I personally witnessed how a school-wide comprehensive literacy program could really turn a school around, take a failing school, and make it a high-achieving school, and offer hope and motivate motivation to, to hundreds and, and thousands of, of kids in those that have gone through that school in the last decade. Literacy being the gateway skill is also a barrier. It's not about ability of students. It's about us as adults teaching them the skills they need to be able to succeed. And that means K through 12. And, and uh, Catherine and Don have both emphasized that. As Don mentioned in his example of the Lone Ranger, uh, unfortunately, that's way principals dealt with many of the experts, whether they be special ed, special education, uh, English language arts experts, uh, technology experts. And we're working at the National Association to, to really uh, help leaders work differently in those schools. Really talking about authentic literacy, and again, uh, we've mentioned uh, publications, uh, writing. Uh, we're really talking about not just reading words, but comprehension at high levels, uh, writing speaking and thinking at high levels. Any principal who is interested in raising student achievement has to talk about literacy. And I, I go to, to conferences and meetings, repeatedly listen to them talk about programs like professional learning communities, small learning communities, advisory programs, career academies, ninth grade academies. And, and believe me, they all work. But they don't work if students can't read and they don't have the reading skills. We know how to teach students to read. 
when I started uh, and my reform efforts in the 90s, we didn't really have the resources that principals have today thanks to the Carnegie Corporation and others. Our mission really is to have all students graduate and that all students graduate college, career, and workplace ready. And the literacy skills are paramount in terms of their ability to be college, career, and workplace ready. Schools need to focus on what students need, not adults want. And what tells me more about anything about a school than anything else is really how that school deals with literacy uh, and, and their focus on students. We talked about literacy skills being the focus for every person in the building. And I saw one of the comments on the uh, uh, chat about English teachers. And I know I had my English teacher stand up in a faculty meeting and I said, everybody look at them because that's the last time we're going to look at the English department when we talk about literacy. It's really everybody's job. And that means to develop a culture of collaboration where people share responsibility for their students across all disciplines. Really, the keys in in the literacy in a school-wide literacy effort are one: people have to believe that all students can learn and succeed. Number one, or they won't put the effort in literacy, and that means having high expectations that students can be college and workplace ready. That we all take responsibility for our students, not their students, and and then very importantly, that we understand that some students just need more time. Don talked about uh, targeted and uh, tiered interventions and various ways of teaching students who need help. That takes time and we have to be willing to take the time and make time in our schedules for students to learn those skills. I can't emphasize enough the importance of annual diagnostic assessments. Principals all over the country want their teachers to um, differentiate instruction, but they really can't do it if they don't have diagnostic information on their students. Not state test information, but real information about how their, student, their students at that time are reading, not about students who were in their classes in the previous year. Also, we talked to principals about not making decisions on students unless they have multiple data points and that there's continuous monitoring. That means annual diagnostic assessments for all students starting in the eighth spring of the eighth grade and continually monitoring their progress. The role of the school leader really is to be a learning leader and not the Lone Ranger, but a partner with the literacy coach and literacy leadership and literacy council in their school. Literacy must be a priority. And I ask principals, if, if literacy isn't important, a priority, what is. And we establish policies, not only state, district, but local school policies that relate to professional development and how we're going to deal with literacy across the curriculum. Our responsibility to provide resources to the school, and that means literacy leaders like literacy coaches, that we have multiple tiered interventions for students, that we have a comprehensive school-wide program, but we also have uh, targeted interventions and intensive interventions for the students who need it. And that means making the budget priorities for literacy. Role of the school leaders. Um, teachers teach teachers teach the language of their content area, and that's really an important thing. We talked about teachers not being 
all teachers being reading teachers, but really teachers understanding the role that they teach the language of their specific subject area. It means building capacity within the school, and that's a long-term effort. That means continuous, connected, ongoing, and job-embedded professional development for a minimum of three to five years, and then ongoing for new teachers as they enter the, the school. Students need consistent instruction. They need a comprehensive school-wide program. And they need uh, content-specific strategies to help them improve and uh, teach te students in their content areas. Literacy for students is not just for weak students, not for students who read below grade level. It's for every student. It's about raising the bar for everyone and making all students college and workplace ready. We want to keep students on target. That's why we need to do annual diagnostic assessments. We need to provide them the services they need when they need them. And most importantly, we can't allow students to fall behind. I saw the number one problem we have is we allow students to fall so far behind it's extremely difficult to catch them up. We need a plan for every student. And literacy has to be a part of that plan. If we're going to reach all students and raise them up, each student must be treated as an individual. And at my school, we spelled hope R-E-A-D. Thank you. That is a beautiful way to end um, that presentation. Thank you so much, Catherine, and the panel members. Am I um, echoing? Can you hear me OK? Yeah, I think that was Catherine tonight, and I think you're OK now. OK, excellent. So I um, have been collecting questions in the chat room, and my head's uh, flying with questions, but I'm going to hold mine back and um, open it up to this um, amazing uh, group that has joined us today. And um, if anybody wants to take the mic and ask um, an individual panel member a direct question or in a general question, um, go ahead and do so now. So you can put your question in the chat. And to go ahead and turn the mic off for a second. Okay. You can put your message in the chat. Or you can use the hand with the green up arrow a little box with a hand and a green up arrow at the bottom of the participant window to raise your hand if you want to ask a question through the microphone. Karen saying you don't have a mic, so just go ahead and put your question in the chat. And Angela, I'll let you field those questions and direct them. Okay, I'm going to speak um, for uh, Karen, and she is um, asking a question that many um, many questions have been sent to me this week, and where do you see technology and assistive technology fit into your vision um, of adolescent literacy? And to any panel member. Well, let me, let me start, although I think um, Mel and, and Don should respond from their school-based perspectives as well. Technology is part of what students, all students have to learn to use. So uh, being literate nowadays means being literate uh, in technological contexts. So at one level, I think uh, it fits in because uh, using, uh, using the internet, reading on screen is part of uh, having 21st century literacy skills. 
assistive technology or technology in context of supplementary uh, reading instruction, uh, my response is if, if that's what the question is really meant to be about, my response to that is if it works, we should use it. We need good solid evidence that it works before we um, before we invest heavily in it. Karen, I'm going to give you a chance. Um, is is that um, clarifying your question, or do you have uh, more specific to um, the assistive part of technology? This is Don. I might just add to to Catherine's um, response. You know, one of the big challenges that we face with um, adolescents uh, is the their a lack of background information because they have not had the literacy skills necessary to uh, stay afloat and uh, abreast with their classmates as they go through the the grades when they hit middle school and high school. They're just lacking in so much of the necessary background information to benefit from the instruction that's provided in the, in the classes, in their classes. And um, as we know, the the web is just filled with um, gr uh, great sources of information that can be, uh, if properly leveraged, can really be a way to help close the gap a bit with the background information and prior knowledge that students are lacking in certain areas. Now, planning is needed for this like any other instructional material that is used, but um, there are um, organizations that are, are looking to ways to organize and categorize information on the, the web in different subject areas, making it accessible to uh, teachers and uh, that they can use for this purpose. Uh, this is Mal. Uh, technology is a tool uh, and has to be used to supplement what teachers are doing. Uh, it's not, it should not be used in, in place of uh, the teacher. And it's not about putting kids in a reading lab and letting them sit there hour and hour after hour. After hour. Uh, but it it's certainly creates a low-thread environment, particularly when you have older, um, undercredited students who have reading difficulties. It really uh, enables them to have a, uh, a stress-free or a threat-free learning situation. But it has to be directed and has to be used very. It has to be used sparingly. Uh, it does motivate students. What we said is our is our literacy program matured that. And, and I think this is what Don was saying, that about 80% of our success was going to be pre-reading strategies. And that means background knowledge, uh, helping students read with a purpose, uh, giving them um, uh, indicators of what to look for in their reading strategies. So that was an important thing for us. Thank you. Um, is there another person who wants to raise a question? Angela, I've noticed there have been some questions about the connection between um, the home environment and what takes place in school. 
um, any of the panel members want to talk about the home and school connection as it relates to literacy? Let me uh, let me start there. I mean, clearly for adolescents as for younger children, uh, some some kids are luckier. They have more of the skills that are relevant to success in literacy because they've discussed topics at home with their parents that they're going to be reading about in class or because they've acquired a large vocabulary and thus they don't need to learn all those words by reading them. They actually know what they mean already or because they come from homes with lots of books and they're used to sitting down and spending an hour or two reading. But the fact of the matter is that the public school system is there to uh, eliminate those differences and not to exacerbate them. So I, um, I just think while we can recognize that some schools, some teachers, some, uh, some students have a bigger, uh, higher mountain to climb than others, uh, we cannot allow demographic differences or, or language background to, in any sense, uh, excuse failure. This is Mel. Uh, having worked in a high poverty school, we knew that many of our students did did not come from language enriched home environments. They needed it. We needed to compensate and make up for that, not ex use that as an excuse for their lack of of skills. And so we made our environment or our culture a culture of literacy. And I can remember giving a Reader of the Month awards where we take a uh, teachers would nominate their students to be the Reader of the Month, and we'd take a picture of them and their, and their uh, uh, the student and the teacher together, and give them a certificate and put their name on the marquee, and really make a big deal out of it. And that, that was a high school program, and we had to do everything we could possibly do to encourage literacy and reading, and uh, to make up for the deficit that we knew some kids had. Thanks. Um, we're getting several questions that sort of relate to the theme of the emotional aspect of reading, building a culture of reading in the classroom, a context of reading where adolescents actually see reading as something, something other than schoolwork or an assignment, um, something that's required, and more as a lifestyle. Does the report offer suggestions on how to position reading in, an, in both an academic, a cognitive, and an emotional context? I'm uh, I'm not sure that the report resolves the problem of how to uh, how to balance those various uh, aspects of of the reader, um, but but clearly uh, one key component of successful um, adolescent reading programs is engagement, uh, providing reading materials that are sufficiently interesting to students and relevant to their lives that they're prepared to uh, struggle with them a little bit because we do learn to read better by struggling. And I don't mean to say that everything has to be fun and games, but um, as, Mel, as Mel said, there needs to be a purpose for reading. Kids need to understand why they're being asked to read these things. Uh, and very often in social studies classes, in science classes, there isn't much of a purpose for reading because uh, the students know that the teachers will tell them what's in the book. Uh, if, if students understood and if, if teachers could, could clearly convey that becoming a competent uh, 
reader of science material or of history material or of math material is absolutely crucial to functioning in the world that if you don't if you can't read that stuff you're not going to be able to function as a uh, an informed patient when you get ill you're not going to be able to function as an informed voter uh, you're not going to be able to, to to know whether you're for the public option or against the public option in, in the healthcare debate um, or for charter schools or against charter schools in the education debate. Uh, those understanding the world around us requires being able to read, uh, and it's not unengaging to adolescents to be confronted with serious texts. What's unengaging is to be given no reason for for reading those texts. Yeah, this is Don. Just uh, building on the the point Catherine made. In several of the projects we're currently uh, working on in um, high schools, uh, one of the tasks that we've taken to to address the issue of engagement is around the issue of goal setting. Um, that is, uh, before we really move into, and this is, some of this work is taking place in supplemental reading classes for students who are considerably behind. And you know they've encountered nothing but or a great deal of failure relative to reading experiences, and so how do we re-engage them? We start by having conversations uh, about some of their goals and interests and desires, and basically, do they have a vision for their life down the road, and what are some of the goals and things that that really are important to them? Uh, and then, in light of that, we set up um, some specific targets and try to make those very explicit connections that Catherine talked about between things that are important in their life and how can we back that now into the reading that we're going to be doing so they can see that direct connection. And we and it's not a one-time thing that you make that point. You have to repeatedly come back to that so students can see that connection and uh, find a reason to invest the time and energy into the reading process. We have lots of great conversation going on. Um, just to re uh, to share with you, I will post the chat and the link to this for those of you that weren't able to be here for the whole show or being able to share and go back and look at the conversation. Um, Catherine, I loved what you said about understanding the world around us and the world and the content in any area requires us to read. And in order to make sense of that, writing or being able to share with others what um, what we are understanding um, is so critical. What are the connections that you're seeing in this vision with writing and the direction of writing? Writing, as you say, it can be a crucial contribution to comprehension. And um, one of the disconnects in the K through 12 world and the world of higher education is the kind of writing that is favored. What students at universities need to write, typically analytic essays, arguments, um, syntheses of uh, 
of information from a variety of sources. Uh, those are forms of writing that are not sufficiently attended to in middle school and high school. Um, and they, uh, they can be actually much more motivating forms of writing for many students than the creative writing that we spend a lot of time on. Personally, I'm, I'm thinking we don't really need that many more novelists in the world. What we need are people who can uh, use writing um, as a tool to read a report, reports on climate change from the Sierra Club, from, um, from CITGO, from uh, government sources, and from scientific sources, and decide across those various documents what's credible and what's not credible, and then synthesize the information for their own purposes, but also so perhaps in order to write a letter to the editor or in order to, um, to write a, a memo to a, uh, a colleague. That kind of writing is not done very much, and yet it, and it's very challenging to do that. It, it, is, it occurs in a feedback loop with reading. You have to read to understand. You write to check how much you've understood of what you've, what you've been reading. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that we should be doing lots more of starting in fourth grade. Just to build on what Catherine said, uh, our students need to be able to engage a wide variety of texts, both fiction, nonfiction, technical. And they also need to be able to learn to write in, in a wide variety of styles. And that means, as we said, that the teachers teach the language of their content area. Students need to know how to be able to write lab reports about how to re, uh, write short essays, how to be, be, write persuasive essays and arguments. They need to be able to write in a variety of different ways. And that's why we, don't, we take the focus off of the English department and put it on the, every other department to teach literacy skills. Give you all a writing assignment in the chat room. And um, as we close, I just again want to thank Steve for helping us arrange this opportunity. Um, the great team members at Carnegie for allowing us to have access to this um, incredible conversation and again to the panel members for taking their time to share their work with this audience. Any last words from any of you? Thank you all for participating. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to just say to, is, to any school leaders that are listening that we need to stop dancing around the problem and really face the issue that in order for our students to succeed in school, they have to have good literacy skills. Hi, everybody. This is Steve. That was a terrific session, and I'm going to clap here. Um, it was very fun for me to, to uh, participate in this. I really appreciate it. Uh, there's nothing I love more than having my child use a word they've read in a book they've never heard before. Even when they mispronounce it, it's sort of a moment of parental joy. Um, and, and really appreciate the focus on literacy that this session has provided. Um, there is a survey that you will uh, that will pop up in your web browser after you're done with the session. Please do fill that out. It helps us to make sure that the future of education sessions are interesting to you. Thanks so much to the panel. Thanks to Angela. Thanks for you to you for turning out today in the middle of the day for most of you. Really appreciate it. And uh, the 
the recordings will be up uh, later today or tomorrow. A full Illuminate recording, an audio podcast recording, and the chat. Thank you very much.